the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Financial risk and is not. The following program is sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy is starting a new series. Helmut Thielich, who was a German theologian, said this. There is a darkness, mysterious, a spellbinding figure at work. Behind the temptation stands the tempter. Behind the lie stands the liar. Behind all the dead and bloodshed stands the murderer from the beginning. And you've got to grasp that if you're going to come to grips with this world of ours. Many people in today's modern, technology-filled world aren't very serious about the supernatural. Even many who believe in God aren't so sure about what to think about Satan. Well, today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy goes straight to Scripture to get insights on our spiritual enemy. It's the very first message in a new series titled, Speak of the Devil. Understanding Satan and his schemes will help us resist him effectively. Who the devil is he? That's the title of today's message from Philip DeCourcy. Legend maintains that the town of Nags Head in North Carolina takes its name from wreckers who would lure ships to their destruction on the North Carolina coast. The Nags Head legend states that in the 18th century, wreckers would hang lanterns from the necks of their mules, which were known then as nags. And they would walk the animals very slowly up and down the beach. And the alleged intention was to fool the mariners that were out at sea into believing that the slow-moving lights were ships drifting at rest or ships that had found a safe passage along the coast, prompting the ships to change course and subsequently run aground. And then the next day or two, the wreckers would come and mop up the booty. That's the legend regarding the town of Nags Head in North Carolina. And in the light of that story, I think it's a good reminder to you and I that as Christians, we face spiritual wreckers. There are spiritual forces and spiritual figures hell-bent on our spiritual destruction. The spiritual wreckers are the world, the flesh, and the devil— Let's look at these spiritual wreckers, and then in the course of this series, we're going to single out one of them, Satan himself. But let's think about the world and the threat that it poses the Christian. It does. We're told in Romans 12, verse 1 to 2, that we're not to be conformed to this world. We're told in 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17, that love of the world is something that shouldn't mark the Christian, because if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. 
Now, when we speak of the world, we're not speaking of the 7 billion people that inhabit this planet. We're not talking about the British or the Americans or the Europeans or the Asians. When the Bible talks about the world, it's talking about a system of thought. It's talking about a lifestyle that opposes God. In John chapter 17, verse 14, the Lord Jesus prayed for His disciples, and He prayed that God would strengthen them because the world would hate them. And you and I need to be aware of the fact that the world in which we live is an organized system that leaves God out, that opposes His will. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, that the devil is the God of this world. And he blinds the minds of those who believe not. You need to put this within your worldview. According to 1 John 5 verse 19, that the world lies in the lap of the evil one. He's not omnipotent. We'll see that. The devil is God's devil. But he's a powerful being, and he's organizing a world system that leaves God out and opposes his will. So, That's one of the spiritual wreckers. The world can do us damage spiritually. That's why we're not to be conformed to it. Conformity to the world is a great danger to the Christian. The second issue is the flesh. This is the second spiritual wrecker. The flesh is a great threat to the Christian. According to Paul in Romans 7 verse 18, there's no good thing dwells in him. That is, in his flesh. When we speak about the flesh, we're not just speaking about our physicality. We're speaking about that part of us that continues to desire what God does not desire for us. Galatians 5 verse 17 talks about the flesh warring with the Spirit. That chapter goes on to talk about the works of the flesh, anger and lust and so on and so forth. It's a disposition within us that still makes us susceptible to the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And you're fully aware of that. You're about several hours into your conversion and you realize, hey, I'm still doing some of the stuff I used to do. I thought I was to be completely changed. But there is a part of us that will remain unredeemed until Jesus makes us completely holy at the rapture. This is what the Puritans called the spy in the castle. You and I are trying to build a spiritual life, and our flesh betrays us. It opens the door to sin in our life. Jesus said in Matthew 26, verse 41, that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is that part of us that leads us to sin. A man is tempted, said James, in James 1 verse 14, after he is drawn away of his own desires. That's what the flesh is. It's that part of us that desires what God doesn't desire for us. The unsubmitted self-life is the seat of most of our problems. Not the devil. We'll attack this issue later. The devil made me do it. Really? Are you sure it wasn't you all by yourself? Your flesh? I like the story of the little boy who kicked his sister, pulled her hair, and called her names. And after the incident, his mother said, you need to go and apologize to your sister. You shouldn't have done that. The devil made you do it. To which he said, no. He said, the devil made me kick her. The devil made me call her names. But pulling her hair was my idea. Mm. 
the world, the flesh, the devil. These are the three spiritual wreckers. The devil is a great threat to the Christian. According to 1 Peter 5, verse 8, we have an adversary who goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The devil is a fallen angel. He was created by God. He's a spiritual being. He's a person. And according to the great reformer Martin Luther, he seeks to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and he's armed with cruel hate, and on earth is not his equal. A lot of theology in the one verse of that great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. He's called the evil one in Matthew 13, verse 19 and verse 38. We've already quoted 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. He's the God of this world. He's the power behind the darkness, according to Ephesians 6, verse 12. And he will use everything and anything around us in the world to appeal to our flesh to draw us away from God. That's why you've got to see these three things together, the world, the flesh, and the devil. He's been called by some authors the Sabbathless Satan because he is actively tirelessly seeking to sabotage God's work on earth. Let me put it this way, and Adrian Rogers gave me this little outline. It's helpful. The world is the external threat. The flesh is the internal threat, and the devil is the infernal threat. He went on also to make this analogy. It's very helpful. The flesh is like a pool of gasoline. The world is like a lighted match. And the devil is the arsonist who likes to throw the match. It's a great analogy. So those are the three spiritual wreckers that jeopardize our happiness and our holiness. And I want to focus our attention on the threat that the devil poses to each and every one of us. Let me outline where we're going. The series is entitled, Speak of the Devil. Now let me say right away that I would rather be preaching a series on the Lord Jesus. I'm uneasy that I should feel obligated to talk about my enemy. I would rather ignore him and his demonic hosts. I don't wish to give him a scintilla of publicity, but the reality is we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and wickedness in high places. We do wrestle against a figure called Satan, and the principalities and powers that serve him, and we have no option but to engage this idea and this truth. In fact, the Bible never encourages me to ignore him. Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion. And the Bible reminds me that we're not ignorant of his devices. If you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, listen to the words of the apostle Paul. Speaking to the Corinthians, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. An interesting Greek word, the word devices, it means stratagems. We're not ignorant of his strategies. We're not ignorant of his schemes. The Bible alerts us to his MO. The Bible is an intelligence briefing in many ways on Satan his strengths, his history, his weapons, his whereabouts, his plans, his activities. 
As many of you know, for several years, I was a police officer in Belfast at the height of the Troubles. And before we would go on patrol in the city of Belfast, we would sit down every time with a sergeant who would give us a briefing on the latest intelligence on the IRA, its movements, who, what, why, were. And by golly, we listened because our lives depended on it. And the Bible is an intelligence briefing on the underworld. And we would do well to look at it, and we're going to. In fact, I really just want to spend the balance giving you seven reasons why looking at Satan is a sound and profound approach. That Satanology and demonology is an important study for the Christian. Here's the first reason. I've got seven, and we'll work through them here as fast as we can. Number one, it will help us grasp the whole counsel of God. Looking at Satan will help us grasp the whole counsel of God. That's what Paul intended to do with the church at Ephesus, Acts 20, verse 27, where he says, night and day I taught you the whole counsel of God. I didn't give you a little slice of the cake. I tried to give you it all. I hope you have the appetite for that, he's basically saying. And we read in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 through 17, what? All Scripture is profitable for doctrine. And the doctrine of Satan, I assume then, is profitable. Grasping who he is, what he does, what's his ammo, where is his whereabouts. He's mentioned 54 times in the Bible directly, in seven Old Testament books, and listen, in every New Testament book. This is the whole counsel of God. In fact, someone has said, a sound theology of God requires a sound demonology. Remember, Satan is mentioned as early as Genesis and as late as Revelation. God wants you to know this. The fact that this is a doctrine in the Bible is justification enough for you to hang in for this series. And practically, we need to be well informed about him because he seeks to be well informed about us. We see him here in Job 1 in God's presence, and God says, where have you been? And he says, I've been up and down the earth. And by implication, when God asks him, well, have you considered my servant Job? He's up and down the earth looking whom he may devour. He's got a file on certain people. He's gathering information along with his minions. Seems to me, if he's going to study me, I need to study him. We need to know our enemy if we're to fight him and be victorious in that battle. He's a veteran in spiritual warfare. We're only catching up. He's a, a mastermind. Although I'd have to say this, he is predictable, and we'll see some of that. God's book gives us his playbook. It's wonderful. That's why this is worth studying. I know what uh, Kent Hughes writes. I am no genius at mathematics, but even my limited capacities, I could be terrific at math if I worked on it for 100 years maybe. If I labored at it for a thousand years and read all the learned theories, I would be a Newton or an Einstein. Or if I had 10,000 years, given that time, any of us could become the world's greatest philosopher or theologian or linguist. Now listen, Satan has had multiple millennia to study and master human disciplines. And when it comes to human subversion, he's the ultimate manipulator. He's been at this a long time. He's got the advantage on you, so to speak. 
but we've got his playbook in God's book. That's the first thing. It helps us grasp the whole counsel of God. Secondly, I think a study of Satan helps us preserve a belief in the goodness of God. Here's another benefit. One of the great issues standing in the way of faith in God is the presence and power of evil in this world. How do you explain it? And how do you explain it in the light of what we know to be true about God, or at least what the Bible presents God to be? Morally perfect, sovereign, loving. Then how do you explain evil in the light of that? Well, let's define evil. Evil is not the presence of something. Rather, evil is the absence of righteousness. Evil wasn't created Evil is a byproduct of the fall of man and the fall of Satan. Evil is a negative. Evil comes into existence when God's creatures fall short of his glory and moral perfection. And according to Luke 10, verse 18, Jesus saw Satan falling from heaven. We'll get into that. He was a created being. He's a spiritual entity. He once led worship in heaven. He was an awesome being, powerful. But he rose up in rebellion against God and he was cast out of heaven. It was the same with man. Tempted by Satan, Adam and Eve fall, and evil comes into the world. Evil is the absence of righteousness. Evil is a negative. And when we see the free and moral choices of Satan and man, we help preserve the goodness of God. Thirdly, it helps make sense of the world in which we live. How do you make sense of a world underwater, so to speak? A world that's upside down and back to front. Well, you help understand what you see by understanding what you don't see. Because there's an unseen world beyond our sensory perception. That's why the Christian is told in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, not to walk by sight, but by faith. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18, don't look at the things which are seen. If you only do that, you'll get it wrong. Listen to me. Naturalism cannot explain the world. There's no peace in the physical world because there's a war going on in the spiritual world. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And you and I need to understand that this unseen world is not some kind of parallel universe. It's conjoined to this world. What happens in it impacts what happens here. The cold hard fact is that this world is being fiercely fought over. The world lies in the lap of a wicked person who when he failed took a third of the angels of heaven with him. And they are aligned in an unholy alliance against the will of God. And the seed promised in Genesis 3, verse 15. And if you're going to understand your world, and if you're going to get a grip on history, you need to grasp that fact. Helmut Thielich, who was a German theologian, said this in post-war Germany, quote, There is a darkness, mysterious, a spellbinding figure at work. Behind the temptation stands the tempter. Behind the lie stands the liar. Behind all the dead and bloodshed stands the murderer from the beginning. And you've got to grasp that if you're going to come to grips with this world of ours. So a study of Satan will not only give us a better understanding of the whole counsel of God, 
will not only help us preserve a belief in the goodness of God, it will help us make sense of the world in which we live. Satan fell, and a third of the angels fell with him. Then man fell, and according to Romans 8, as a result, the world became subject to futility. That's why we've got sickness and diseases and war and famine and ugly things that scar the planet Earth. The Bible's got a worldview for that. You can read about it in Genesis 3, verses 1 through 24, and Romans 8, verses 18 through 27. Demonology gives us a realistic assessment of the depth and extent of the corruption of the world and the human heart. All have fallen short of God's glory. Because one man sinned, death entered the world. A proper understanding of Satan computes with the empirical data of everyday living and loss. It helps us come to grips with the world that's all bent out of shape and had got to be like this. And it also guards our hearts against a naivety about human progress. We live in a fallen world. Satan fell, man fell, and the world was cursed. One of our elders here is the son of a street-smart CHP officer. He says, you know, my father always said this to me, don't expect too much of people and you'll never be disappointed. Maybe that's the reflections of a kind of pessimistic cop, but it may be good theology. It's the world in which we live. Maybe the best we can hope for, it's not half bad, because it's a really bad scene. According to the Bible, this world lies in the lap of the wicked one. Here's another benefit. Number four, it helps us strike a balance with regards to Satan. Because we never want to make him more than he is, right? Because that diminishes the Lord Jesus. That diminishes the gospel. That's the last thing we want to do. We don't want to create some kind of bogeyman kind of idea about Satan. I want you to, you know, leave here in the darkness in your car lot kind of looking over your shoulder. All right? Checking under your car for a demon, you know? That would be a bad thing. On the other hand, we never want to make him less than he is because that makes you a sitting duck. There's a balance to be struck in theology and doctrine. I mean, the Pharisees got it wrong, didn't they? Jesus had to chastise them where they kind of, you know, were straining at knots and swallowing camels. They were missing the greater parts of the law and focusing on the lesser parts of the law, reminding us that we can become imbalanced in our theology. Matthew 23, 23 to 24. Helping us gain an accurate understanding of the devil, you're listening to Philip DeCourcy, and this is Know the Truth. Today's message is titled, Who the Devil Is He? It's part of a series Philip has titled, Speak of the Devil. We're learning more about our spiritual adversary so we can know how to best resist him in our daily lives. You can purchase this entire series on CD when you visit our website, ktt.org. And if you've never contacted Know the Truth before, We'd like to send you this month's free resource, a bookmark that explains how to overcome temptation with the power of God's Word. We provide these resources to welcome our newest listeners to the Bible teaching ministry of Know the Truth. Now, the devil isn't a very popular topic in many of today's churches, so maybe after hearing today's message, you're thinking, I'd like to know more. 
Well, Philip has chosen a book on this subject by a trusted author. It's titled The Strategy of Satan, How to Detect and Defeat Him. Author Warren Wearsby presents 10 insightful chapters in our spiritual enemy, the devil. Each chapter talks about one of Satan's targets, one of his weapons, one of his evil purposes, and a God-given defense we can use against him. When you give a donation of $20 or more to Know the Truth, we'll send you Warren Wearsby's book, The Strategy of Satan. Call 888-644-8811 or give a secure donation online at ktt.org. Thanks for your generous support that makes Know the Truth available on the radio and the web. We depend on your donations to produce and distribute these daily Bible teaching broadcasts and to provide all the free resources on the web. And don't forget to add the Know the Truth app to your mobile devices for listening on the go. I'm Wayne Shepherd, signing off for today. Tomorrow, our teacher, Philip DeCourcy, explains why we need to understand the devil's strengths and weaknesses. Listen Wednesday to Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Stuck in an expensive timeshare contract and feel like there's no way out? I'm almost at $10,000 in four years. I've never traveled anywhere. They made this sound that this would be a really good deal, that I could go anywhere, anytime I wanted to. That never worked out. I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO of Wesley Financial Group. I've helped thousands of people get rid of their timeshares. I know all the tricks because I'm embarrassed to say I once worked in the timeshare industry. We've saved suffering timeshare owners millions in debt and maintenance fees. When you're approved as a client, I guarantee you a 100% success rate. We'll get you out of your timeshare, eliminate your payments, and get them off of your back Permanently. I honestly would recommend that you call Wesley Financial. They will help you. Call Wesley Financial Group now for your free information kit. If they can't get you out of your timeshare, you'll pay nothing. Call 800-220-5757. 800-220-5757. That's 800-220. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.